0: as you're saying, you go back out and date and you think you've, you think you've changed, but these patterns are so, so strong. Right. And one of my friends came out the other side and on her first date after staying with him, I don't know, a few months she was out of it and she was reflecting back. She said, you know, Mo, that first date, when I came out of the 12 step first round of 12 steps is um he was, the worst nightmare part of every previous person I'd ever been with all bundled into one guy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she said, I got, I got some good information. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's great that she recognized it.
0: I know.
1: Yeah. Yep. I know. Welcome everybody to the podcast, Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Freeville Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about.
2: It.
1: Welcome everybody to another episode of Relationships. Let's talk about it. And in this episode, love addiction. That's right, love addiction. Those of you might be surprised that it is actually an addiction, and I will tell you more about that. So in this episode, I have a conversation with Mo Bruce, and those of you might remember Mo from a podcast that we did together December 11th, 2018, called Taking Risks with Strangers, Don't Suffer with Just Chit Chat. And if you haven't listened to it, you got to check it out. It was a really good episode. So let me tell you a little bit more about Mo. Mo is passionate about engaging with and being present for the simple and profound everyday moments. She deeply cares and invests in connection and intimacy. And you will get that about Mo. She shares a very intimate story in this podcast And I really want to thank Mo for putting herself out and being vulnerable. And I think it's just wonderful when people do that. They're authentic enough to be real and Mo is definitely real. And besides being real, she has also been a coach and consultant for leaders and CEOs in business across the globe for 20 years. Okay, so I said that I would get you more information about love addiction, so I'm going to tell you some more about it. So, it is defined by a specific set of characters and behaviors. And possibly the most significant characteristic of love addiction is that we assign too much time and value to another person. Uh, someone with a love addiction focuses on them um, almost entirely on the object of their desire. And this often is obsessive and the focus begins to have a negative effect on the rest of their life. And love addicts neglect to care for at times or even value themselves while they're in relationship. So Mo and I also talk about SLAA. She has experience in that. Sex and Love Addiction Anonymous. It's a 12-step program. Some of you might know. So, here we go. My conversation with Mo Bruce. Love addiction. Might as well face it. You're addicted to love. Might as well face it. You're addicted to love. Mm -hmm. Might as well face it. You're addicted to love. Might as well face it. You're addicted to love. Let's talk about it. Well, Mo, it's been three years. I did look it up. Uh, it was three years since our, our last podcast. So, wow. yeah, but yes. I'm, it is. It's crazy. Um, and I'm just so glad that you are so enthusiastic about wanting to do another one. So thank sure. you.
0: Mainly to spend time with you. <laughs> uh,
1: there we go. All right. I like that.
0: Yeah. I do want to have tea with you again sometime in person after COVID.
1: Absolutely. I, I would love to do that. So, um, great topic. Uh, I have a question on it. Sex and love addiction. Why do they usually put sex first as opposed love and sex addiction? Do you have any idea?
0: I really don't know. I don't know when it birthed and who birthed it out of the original AA. And, of course, there is sex addiction on its own 12-step program. Mm-hmm. So some people who in my program who lead with the sex addiction versus I lead with love addiction, they actually feel they need to go to a uh, 12 step for sex addiction because it's much more focused on that. Mm-hmm. And it really hits close, you know, much closer to wh- what the behaviors are and what needs to be addressed. Whereas I notice in my program, at least in SLAA, most of the people are talking about love addiction. Mm. Yeah. Wow.
1: And, and when did you start diving into that? In
0: 2016.
1: Hmm. What was the turning events for you that you said, whoa, well, you know, I, I, I may have an issue that's being repetitive. That's not serving my life and I want to look at it straight on.
0: Yeah. Well, it's kind of humbling to admit to you that I didn't catch it long before I did because it now that i'm a little bit more sober looking back it's really obvious at this point um i I was in 10 well let me go back a tiny bit earlier i was in one main relationship from the age of 16 to 36 i was with my husband doug 20 years Hmm. and i would say if you've ever talked about attachment styles on here have you i'm I'm guessing you have
1: Mm -hmm. yes
0: yeah i would say that we were both secure attached in that and probably a little bit more shut down than I maybe am today in the sense of we were good friends. We, you know, he's Scottish, he's an engineer. So we didn't, we didn't process our stuff, but we honestly didn't have that much stuff for a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. So all that to say for 20 years, I think I was in a calm, um, mature, secure relationship. And then when we broke up, which happened when my sexuality blew up on me, um, I ended up in 10 relationships in a row, all lasting roughly around two, two, three years. And in those 10 relationships with women, that's when my love addiction showed up massively and all the patterns that go with it so you would think maybe after two or three or four you would notice there's something up <laughs> <laughs> nope
2: you
1: just five. wanted you just wanted more material to work with <laughs> yeah.
0: maybe five or six or seven getting uh-huh. a little a, no no mm-hmm. took me mm-hmm. to the 10th one mm-hmm. and being absolutely broken on my knees, broken, like crawling through the twelve-step door, going, "I need help. Like I really need help. Whatever I'm doing isn't working." Mm. Yeah, ten relationships,
1: and that—that's sort of a pattern with love addiction. Is the really challenge to to um, inability to, to like to, to stay single for a while and leaving one partnership for
0: another. Exactly you you already have the the doorway of the, the next doorway open as mm-hmm. you're closing this one and you're not even closing it cuz you don't really want to close anything if mm. you're a love addict right right so yeah. i have the the door i'm in open to go somewhere else but but please don't leave me even though i'm leaving
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> it, it's yeah. insane
1: and is that part of like the, the prone to avoid abandonment and rejection at any cost so yeah. you know sitting in the feeling of that you, yeah. you go ahead and you join something else that you, you attach to another, another I would person.
0: Say it must be because mm. when I finally became single and really committed to shut all leakage, no, no contact with the qualifiers, shut the door, shut the windows, fill the keyhole with some kind of plaster, you know, like really make sure there's no leakage. When I did that, I honestly felt like I was going to die. I'm not kidding. Mm. I really did I thought i'm I'm not going to make it through the other side of this.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It was wow. outrageously intense for what you would think is just like an emotional roller coaster
2: mm-hmm.
1: so can you can you describe some of your experience of what the characteristics of of love addiction i I have I have several people that I see that I've been presenting to them lately in, in my practice about, yeah, you know, we need to look, look at the aspect of love addiction here. And they're like, what? Love addiction? <laughs>
2: yeah. And,
1: you know, they just <laughs> say, well, I just have relationship issues. You know, I just don't yeah. you know, know how to hold on to a relationship. And, and I'm like, well, let, let's let's look at it. And yeah so from your standpoint, can, can you help people see a little bit of the, of the light when love addiction is showing up in their life?
0: Yeah. One before I answer your question, one thought that occurred to me as I heard you say that was sometimes people come in and in the early days, and then they'll you know you're out for a coffee chatting, and they'll be like, "Well, well, what's the difference between us in here and everybody on the planet? Isn't everybody got this?" And and <laughs> the, the jokingly answer we, we say the only difference is we're in the rooms. So you know, we're in recovery. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's right.
0: And what's really, as you can imagine, what's really tricky, why people say that, like, I just have relationship issues is because if you're an alcoholic or a drug addict, it's really clear if you and I are out, prepo, at the pub, it's obvious if I'm in relapse, if I take a sip of alcohol, right? Hmm. It's not obvious, so obvious until it is. When you're in love addiction, that you're on a slippery slope or you're acting out or you're your program's not so strong because you're connecting with people all day long. Right. And it gives you a chance, every connection to, are you sober right now? Or are you running energy towards someone flirting? Or are you, you know, did you just break a bottom line? Are you, are you trying to get love approval and appreciation right now? You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's very tricky. So
1: it's in your face moment to moment. Yeah. It's
0: like, it's I guess it might be similar some one of my friends is also um in a food program. She said it's very similar to food where you're supposed to be cleaning up your act around food and getting sober but you got to eat all day. You know? Right. Exactly. It's very similar. So your question was what's the difference between relationship issues and love addiction?
1: Yeah, we can go there. I love it.
0: Um well I'll just talk about the love addiction side and then that might become clear. Um, I'm not sure. I know the difference because I've always had both. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) And I have, you know, if you read facing codependence by Pia Melody and facing love addiction by Pia Melody, she she says that, that uh, not all codependents are love addicts, but all love addicts are codependent. Yep. Mm. So, what is the real crux of love addiction? Well, first of all, there's a questionnaire online with 40 questions. But sadly, for me, I was frustrated that it's so bent toward the sex questions. Mm-hmm. If it was rewritten to include equally as much the love addiction, uh, I think it would be a better questionnaire. But it does include s- some of them. Um, well, I'll just have to speak about myself. Yeah, there you go. An inability to be alone. I'm getting hits, adrenaline hits off of all the drama that comes with it. Um, Hits off of being perceived by, I'm avoidant attached, so I I can attract anxious attached. So there's some hits I get off of an anxious attached wanting to, you know, make me special, grasp at me, wanting me to, you know, making me matter so much. And then, of course, I then go, oh, you're clinging on me. You're too needy. You're Mm -hmm. trying to make me your higher power. Get away from me. Oh, don't go that far away. Can you come (laughs) back a little bit? That's just a little bit too far because now I feel a little bit too alone. Mm -hmm. Um, So that push-pull madness dance. Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: So like craving positive regard, but when you get too much, it's like, whoa, it's too much, like, back off.
0: yeah. Yeah. For me, it is at least in being, and I think the term for me is fearful avoidance. So as opposed to complete avoidance, which my dad was like not caring about, really caring about relating in relationship at all, um, just just got his attention on a lot of other things other than that. Uh, Whereas I actually want relationship and I want connection and I want intimacy, but I'm also terrified of it as I get closer to it.
1: And is it, in that way around intimacy, is it kind of mistaking intensity for intimacy? Is that part of the- Yes,
0: uh-huh. that's definitely part of it. I'm mm-hmm. going to look up something that I think will help as well. You would think, you know, when you're a fish swimming in the water, it's hard to describe the the water. So yeah. here's something that might really help the distinction. In SLA, there's promises that it promises to deliver these Once you're sober, and I'm noticing that they're true, like they do deliver. So if we go through them, we'll see exactly the opposite of what love addiction is. Number one is we will regain control of our lives. So what was happening, my life was not in control. It was completely out of control. What do you mean
1: by that? What do you mean by that? Can you give an example?
0: Yeah. Uh, A lot of drama, a lot of screaming and shouting, a lot of, all my bits of attention full of relationship, the relationship drama. So not giving attention to being a mother, to a precious daughter, um, not sleeping well, mm-hmm. therefore not showing up in my highest self and whatever I do as a mom, as a coach, as a friend, as a whatever. Um, yeah, lots of anxiety. Um Yeah, even though I am very much an achiever. So even through all that, I still managed to, you know, do my job, save money. But so it's not quite like when alcohol for me, Mm -hmm. like alcohol took my daughter down. She's six years sober now, but she was, you know, that that level of addiction has you potentially homeless, moneyless, people less. Right. Whereas I didn't have that, I still. you, know, you didn't have had
1: that. You didn't have that rock bottom that a lot of substance um, addicts have, where they lose lose jobs, lose their health, yeah, yeah, they have that DUI accident, things like that.
0: Right? Exactly, but honestly, even though you can keep a lot of it together because the substance isn't having you collapse, um, I did feel like my life was out of control. I mean. In the end, you know, in a particular moment with my partner, like both of us just screaming and then storming out and then having to call the police in moments. Just madness. That's not really who I am, but it was then.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, so just feeling of out of control with drama off the charts.
1: Mm-hmm. And did sexual activity get involved with that? Like You know, the trading sexual act activity for affection and love did that get in, in the mix
0: um well when i first talked to my sponsor i said i really don't relate to the sex addict part at all and she said well have you ever used sex for control and power and I went, oh that
2: <laughs> right
0: yeah of course mm-hmm. and then of course there's also the other side of it where a term in love addiction sex and love addiction is anorexia where you can also pull back, pull in, start isolating. And so for me, I feel a little bit of anorexia around sexuality when I'm in that dramatic lockdown.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So I would say that's where it showed up for me, where others might use it more powerfully. I'm, I use it more controlling with withholding and withdrawing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And in your experience, do too- do love addicts attract each other, or is it um, more one of the of the partners as as opposed to the other
0: I almost feel and i 'm not an expert on this I almost feel you can't have one without the other you, you can't it's almost like um the the dynamic is exactly that the avoidant attracts the anxious or the anxious attracts the avoidant hmm. it just seems to be the way of the world and I remember reading and I think it was facing love addiction, something like 50% or 60% of people are secure. And all of us that are in the program read that and said, where are they? Like, I don't know any, mm. but where, where's that 50, 60%? Are they living on an Island on their own? <laughs> um, and I do know one, one friend of mine who went through the program. This is a common thing. You come out the other side, you think you're better off and sober. And then you go start dating again and you start the same madness. Like you don't necessarily get it right first time, you know? Hmm. And um, I, I did, I had to do the steps all over again because I really didn't feel I'd embodied them enough. And I was starting up my shenanigans again, but she managed to, to go through to the point where she just got married recently. We're probably talking eight years in now. And she, she attracted a secure attached guy and she's still anxious attached, but he knows how to be with that part of her. So she might say, you know, I got really anxious when you didn't answer my text, you know, for two. And he'll just instead of going, for God's sake, I need some freedom. Will you just breathe? He just says, sweetheart, what do you need right now? Come here. Let me mm. hug you. you know? mm. And she just instantly settles down. Right. And so he, I just find that fascinating that he, you know, he doesn't collude with that part of her. and. um and they see, I've been around them a few times and it feels just lovely <laughs> to be mm-hmm. around them, you know? Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Yeah. It's that's, that's actually, you know, um, we spoke uh yes, I use the terminology mutual dependence. And in uh-huh. some way that that's that's a characteristic or example of mutual dependence as opposed to a codependence where yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, yeah and, that, fr- and, and that yeah. can be
1: so beneficial to a relationship when when the acknowledgement of, of an abandonment coming up that uh, get soothed instead of get extra triggered.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Let me just, uh, what I would love to do, if you're willing, I just want to read through these one at a time. Cause I think it'll set the scene for the rest of our conversation. Does that work for you? All right.
1: That, that sounds great. Go ahead.
0: Okay. So number one was we will regain control of our lives. Yep. Out of control. Number two, we will begin to feel dignity and respect for ourselves. I had a ton of self-loathing till I did these steps. So that speaks to me. Three, the loneliness will subside and we will begin to enjoy being alone. Absolutely. Number four, we will no longer be plagued by an unceasing sense of longing. So that void in that hole that we think's in another person starts to get tended to differently. Number five, in the company of family and friends, We will be with them in body and mind. So when we're there, we're not thinking about everything else except being present with them, you know. Mm. Number six, we will pursue interests and activities that we desire for ourselves. That speaks to people who keep modifying themselves and suddenly they're going fishing and kayaking and bungee jumping because their partner loves it and they've forgotten what they love, you know. Number seven, love will be a committed, thoughtful decision rather than a feeling by which we are overwhelmed. So that's the, the the mindful ability to choose from clarity and grounded and sober, if I want to be in relationship or not, rather than getting hooked to the next thing. You know, the next one. Number eight, we will love and accept ourselves. So again, that speaks to the self-loathing that I was walking around in and didn't have a clue. I thought I was really confident. (laughs) Number nine, (laughs) I had a lot of wake-ups in these 12 steps. Mm. Number nine, we will relate to others from a state of wholeness. Yep. So rather than my small self grasping on, you know, my being run by my thoughts, feelings, emotions, and my self-will, there's something else that runs the show. Number 10, we will extend ourselves to nurture our own spiritual growth and that of others. So that's when we start to get sober enough, we can start to be of service. And I'm sponsoring others now, which is what step 10 um, is beginning to head toward. Number 11, we will make peace with our past and make amends to those we have harmed. Yeah, so that's... That's the steps where you do your inventory and then you, you know, you make your amends. Number 12, we will be thankful for what has been given us, what has been taken away and what has been left behind. So those are the promises once you're sober. And when I first read them, I was like, that's never, that's just, they're lying.
1: (laughs) Mm, That's not going to happen.
0: That's not going to happen. And and I see it commonly, you go through phases where you, in the early days, where you're looking around the room and just like when people say I'm a grateful addict, I think I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that you're grateful for this addiction that I is killing me. And um, why are you so happy? And and is it real? And I don't trust you and all that stuff. And um, and and then the line that's common is I'm I'm especially screwed up. Like I know this works for you all, but it's not going to work for me. Right. <laughs> it can't. I'm 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 too far gone. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And and I have experienced that that people have resistance to some of the twelve step programs because of some of the languaging, whether mm-hmm. it's the aspect of using God or even even um, when we use what powerless over my addiction, people yeah. feel like I don't wanna I don't wanna uh, you use the the focus of powerlessness. And I, what I interject is when we when we admit that we're powerless, that's that's actually powerful. In, yes. in that way, so it is empowering to look at our our powerlessness. So, yeah. did you have any aversion
0: to? I did. Yeah, I did. When I, f- 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 for the same reasons. I mean, imagine I'm a I'm a corporate coach, a life coach, a leadership coach, and to be talking about powerlessness. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, a lot of your clients wanted their money back after they. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but when you experience that your 10 relationships in a row where you've used self-will and you've done it Moe's way and you're, hmm. or, and you are on your knees or in fetal position on your kitchen floor wailing, hmm. you're noticing something's not quite working about, <laughs> about this program I'm running.
1: Yeah. Thank you.
0: Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Uh. So when I, when I try on the word powerless, I I did feel powerless because I was just stuck in my, in my patterns, in my neural pathways, in whatever I was in, in my sickness. Um, and to really see that, as you say, is incredibly powerful. Then I get humble and I go, I need help. Like, has anyone got any ideas? And then when they started talking about God, I was brought up Catholic. So I had a real twitch around mm. the conversation around God because of how negative it has been my whole life and uh and i said to my sponsor you know i really don't get this god thing and even higher power i i've been on a spiritual path for a long time but i didn't like the naming of it and the building a monument to it and making it so solid you know and she said mo if you're if your sense of something that's more than just you, the more, or whatever language she might have used, she said, if that's your left toe, then that's your higher power. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I began to realize that it could be absolutely anything. And um, I have a beautiful story, actually, Preepo. If you feel, do you edit this?
1: Um, yeah, I edit it, but I love stories.
0: So I have, a, I think I people- have an. I have an amazing story around this. I'm glad we're we're reaching into that topic now. I can make it really personal. Yeah, I was about. Oh, I can feel touched already. Even just starting to tell you this. Mm. I was about. I think nine months into my program, and I was lying on my living room couch in East Asheville, and I was in absolute agony. Like really feeling loss aloneness, dying. I felt like I was dying while alive. You know, those deaths that we go through. Mm. And I thought, how is it possible that I can be nine months into a 12-step program and feel this terrible? Like something's not working. I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on here.
1: You're allowed to swear any way you want.
0: Thank you. If I was being really honest, it's like what the, as my daughter in Scotland would say, what the actual fuck? You know, yeah. really seriously, yeah. there's something. Either the twelve step doesn't work, even though people have said it does, and even though my daughter's sober with it. Mm. <laughs> um, mm. So I picked up the twelve steps of SLAA and I read them, and I read higher power, higher power, higher power, God, higher power, and I. It was literally like a two by four up the side of my head. I was like, holy crap. The bit of my program that's missing is this conscious contact with what they're calling God, well I would call the more or uh, in many other words, and I sat up and I was kind of stunned how you how can you be doing the steps with a sponsor and go to meetings and and be missing this connection to higher power like that's what the whole thing's about, hmm. <laughs> and I was still in self will to the extreme, so the weirdest thing began to unfold. I went to have a shower to kind of wash it all off. I was sobbing again, like, oh my God, I've wasted nine months because I've been doing the Mo program. And I clicked on conscious contact with God because I didn't even know what it meant. And up came uh, a podcast or a YouTube by Wayne Dyer who I have listened to a million times. I mean, I've heard his name a million times, but I've never listened to one thing that hmm. he's ever said. <laughs> so I clicked on it and I sat it on a shelf and I went and sat in the shower and let the water drip on me. I was just crying and I was listening to this YouTube. I get out of the shower and he's talking about conscious contact with God and he's naming it in different ways. And he goes, you know, whether you call it the universe or higher power or what is, or and he's listing how we all name it. And then he says, or if you call it spirit. And the minute, the moment he called it spirit, I had my backpack at the front door and ready to go to a coffee shop and it had an a brand new iPad in it. And that iPad started playing a song on its own. It just started playing it. And the song was the song that my mom asked me to play at her funeral. Oof. And she had died a few months before. And I walked into the, I walked over to the backpack and I was like, are you kidding me? I mean, I knew he had just said the word spirit. And I, I, I got over to the backpack and I opened it and I was like, it really is. This is really happening. <laughs> and I walked around my house and I was like, mom, is that you? <laughs> mm. and i just felt my whole system bursting open my heart mm. everything my cells and i started to just feel this connection to instead of being so solid i was becoming liquid and, and then gas if you like i was just wide open cellularly mm. and i thought well that is really weird and wild and anyway i got in the car and i was feeling <laughs> completely blown open i was driving into Sid. To go to City Bakery and just do some journaling and have a coffee and relax. And I got to City Bakery in the parking lot, ready to go in. And I opened something on my phone. No, I opened the local Asheville newspaper. I can't remember what you call it
1: the Mountain Express.
0: Mountain or... Express. Mm-hmm. And there, just before I went in, or it was on the front page or something. I don't know why I picked it up. I was going to take it with me. And there was an article in there to do with a bunch of singer-songwriters in Asheville. Some of them that I know, some I don't. And one of my exes that we would call a qualifier in S-L-A-A, in other words, as soon as we get together, until we're completely both sober one day, if we ever are, we shouldn't spend time because it just creates madness. One of my qualifiers used to work for one or two of these singers, singer-songwriters, help them get bookings, manage stuff. And just seeing the article, I felt my whole system completely grabbed. Like the longing, the hit, the high, the wanting to find a way to that concert so I could bump into her. That's the kind of things you do when you're not sober, put yourself in danger. You know, you go and you try and rehook. And I started feeling my whole system closing down completely. And I had just had this opening with spirit, right? And I'm sitting there and I thought, no, like... I can't be going this direction. I start to go down a very dark hole of, and wanting to act out, wanting to go drive by her house. These are terms for SLA, act out, drive by her house, knock on her door, see if there's a car outside. Does she have another girlfriend? All the madness. And all of a sudden my iPad started up and it started playing that song again. (laughs) I took the iPad out the bag. I I wish somebody had been with me because I thought this, people are going to tell me this didn't really happen, but it did. And I opened the iPad and it was on top volume and it was a brand new iPad Pro with a lot of sound. And it was screaming in my car, like way too loud. It was hitting my teeth and my nerves. And I went to turn the volume down and it wouldn't let me. It stuck on top volume.
1: (laughs) It said, you got to hear this shit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And a little sign came up and it said something like, your iPad is... Been disabled for 37 minutes, something like that. And I had never seen that. And it's a brand new iPad. It's not like it's a problem. I'd been using it for a month perfectly. So I kept trying to hit the button, hit the button, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't let me do it. It Wouldn't let me do anything. And then I thought, okay, I'm just going to shut the thing down because it's killing my nervous system with this screaming. It wouldn't shut off. So I put the iPad down, and I thought, I know why this is happening. Because I was just going to go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Spirit, click, shut it and move on. Right. Like I'm basically saying, gone, got you, check. And then (laughs) then back to the Mo program. (laughs) Even the Mo program of a little bit more open and soft, you know? (laughs) Mm. I shut the iPad, I put it down. Oh my gosh, this is really touching me. Mm-hmm. And I just sat there with it blaring through my cells. I just opened and opened and opened and let that blare and didn't shut it down because I couldn't. And I thought, I'm going to sit here as long as God is telling me to, my higher power or spirit or my mom or whatever, you my left toe. And uh, And I did. And eventually, you know, whenever it stopped, the song was over. closed the computer, and I went into City Bakery after those two events in the last, like, 45 minutes. And that was an absolute turning point in my program of um, reading those steps and really getting that unless I surrender to I am powerless without something greater than me, if I keep doing it Mo's way, you know, I'm going to get the same result. So I think you asked if there was, you know, resistance, there was massive resistance and then a massive slap upside the head.
1: Well, what's coming over me right now is just a deep level of, of respect for you and, and, and compassion and love of for you to be vulnerable and speak to this and, and share this, right now with me and yeah that's what's coming over me right now yeah Yeah. more more than anything else and 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 to know that you you know you were touched so deeply then and you're continuously to be touched by that that membranes knows that that's that's powerful and that's that's really stuck in with you
0: it did and then I, I won't tell you the rest of the stories but from that moment so much started to unfold you know that was like the foundational piece of an opening that then began to build some momentum hmm. so yeah yeah
1: so i i call it a little bit like you know when 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 people talk about experiences like that or how to how to gain that that awareness it, to me it's like allowing ourselves to trust our life's path that there's there's something beyond us that when we can't see, when we can't feel, that we know that there is something beyond us to trust our life's path, that we're walking in the energy of aliveness, even though we might not feel it. And and mm-hmm. we have a hard time doing that when we can't rationalize or see it, or we, we see all of our fuck ups right in front of our face. We have a hard time trusting our path. But when we're able to have the efficacy and bring back a remembrance of like your story, that's that 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 gives an extra aspect of awareness and hope.
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally. Mm. I'm just taking that in a little bit. Give me a moment.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I did notice. I have forgotten about that because that was, you know, I guess that was 2016 that happened maybe. If I started in 15, yeah, it would have been 16. Um I completely forgot all about that and just talking about it with you and remembering it is anchoring me into something way more and way bigger than, than I was feeling as I've been in my day today. So I really appreciate the reminder.
2: Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you
1: so much. And that was, like you said, five years ago, and how much that still, like you said, staying, staying with you, and
2: mm-hmm. and,
1: and that just shows me when, when we're really doing the deep work of, you know, um, releasing the awareness, the the shiftings of our traumas. You know, I mean, basically, with with addiction of all kinds, there's aspects of our past uh, traumas and and wounding, and it's hard to know that there's hope beyond that. And when you're having experiences like that, that's the part knowing that trauma gets transformed. It doesn't, it doesn't get just negated and, 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 uh, cured. It gets transformed.
0: Yeah. Completely transformed. Mm -hmm. One thing that's occurring to me now, I might send this to my daughter. One of the things that's occurring to me now is I really am seeing and feeling so grateful. The reason that I'm even in the 12 step room is, you know, her sobriety she, she called me one day on FaceTime. I'd been hoping for years. I think she drank for about eight years, maybe six or eight. At one point she was on three bottles of wine a day, you know, when she was in her absolute darkest time and she called me and she said, mom, I, I need to go to rehab or I'm going to die. And I I had been waiting and praying for that call And somewhere in me. <laughs> um, and she booked herself into rehab in London and I helped her and, I eventually visited and went into, I told you yesterday, I went into a 12-step room with her. It's the first I'd ever been in in a a 12-step room. And it was watching her transformation in front of my eyes. And the people in that room that had me say, I got to find myself a 12-step room that fits me. But never did I think I'd actually be in one because I was on my knees. You know, that was an idea Mm -hmm. in my head. Mm -hmm. So all that to say, you know, A a massive thank you to my daughter for bringing me to the 12-step path from her own recovery.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. What's her name? Caitlin. Caitlin.
0: I call her Moose, but her name's Caitlin.
1: (laughs) Mm, Thank you, Caitlin.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Incredible.
1: And isn't that the part of where also like something like uh, the 12-step program is so beneficial when it's in community and the aspect of not doing it alone, being inspired by other people's stories, strengths, uh, challenges. Isn't that part of the healing process?
0: I think it's a massive part because if I were to go through this alone, I don't honestly don't think I could have um, because all the time where you're in doubt and you don't think it works and you're especially screwed up and it's not working. If you didn't have the witness of those ahead of you that had some time under their belt and, you know, had sobriety showing on their face and in their lightheartedness. And, and you know, you just wouldn't, I don't think it'd be possible. And uh, luckily for me, <laughs> I entered the 12 step room at a time where a girl from New York came and We ended up being nicknamed the sheriff and the snob. Mm. She, she walked in the room, you know, with her feather boa and her lipstick and her, you know, she, she's just, got this stunning uh, way of presenting in the world. And I look like a homeless person, but when I walked in, I, w- I was so angry at the world and at my addiction and at the stuckness of being imprisoned in it that I would walk in and almost, they said, it was almost like if you were a saloon, those double doors, I slammed them open and sat <laughs> down in my sheriff rage. And she came in from New York with her feather boa, like, What do you mean we don't date for a year? What are you talking about? Are you all stupid? (laughs) (laughs) So all that to tell you to have a buddy. We just connected and we're to this day so connected that every day we would reach out um, on voice messaging, you know, through texting and just be able to say. You know, here's what's going on today and whether it be this is what's working for me and having me stay sober and I wanted to share how well my program's doing or this stuff doesn't work, I'm out of here, fuck this shit, Right. (laughs) whichever one we were sharing. We kept each other company along the way. And that's together, you know, these five years together and watching each other pick up year one medallion, year two, year three. And, and we have our medallions almost in the same week. So there's just something about that company plus yeah. the plus the intimacy of sharing everything with a sponsor and not being judged. When I had a massive relapse once, I I said to her, I don't deserve the 12-step program. I don't. I'm not good enough for this. I don't know how to do it well. And I just relapsed and you're going to fire me as a slancy and I'll just fire myself and ready for the whole, you know? And she just said, Mo, you got some good information. (laughs) 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 You got some good information. We're just going to get back up, dust you down. and what's And let's let's start looking at your step four again. Now let's have a look. Where are we at? (laughs) Yeah. And I started bawling. I was like, "That's truly all that's gonna happen from what I just did last night." Just, just said, "Yep," mm. <laughs> and that was astonishing to me, to be able to be completely no withholds and no edits, no ducking and diving and hiding and you know being slippery, to bring it all out and to have somebody meet it with that. It showed me that I, uh, it showed me how to be with my sponsee when it came to many years later you know
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah that support being so vital especially when after a certain aspect of um what what do you call it when you're when you're not dating is that is that is that just uh uh that's not the sobriety part what 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 is the part that oh. the absence just absence right yeah uh, of that and then when because uh, I've I remember a, a client that that ended up starting to to date again and fi- she went on 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 a few dates and then she had her it was either a sponsor or a good person in the program that said hey you know wait a sec. I just want to I want to just reflect back to you. He is a little bit married, isn't he? And, and, and wait a second, you, you, you said that you didn't want anybody that drank, but you know, doing heroin, you know, is probably not the area you want to go to, you know? And, yeah. And, and, you know, that person had to like, Oh oh yeah. Oh yeah. You're right. Cause of the story of being pulled back in. I'm like, well, maybe I can do this. It's not that bad. Right. As opposed yeah. to, you know, somebody holding holding you to your truth yeah
0: yeah Uh, and you know it's funny you can even go through the 12 steps and be and you know as you as you're saying you go back out and date and you think you've you think you've changed but these patterns are so so strong right and one of my friends came out the other side and on her first date after staying with him i don't know a few months She was out of it and she was reflecting back. She said, You know, Mo, that first date when I came out of the 12 step first round of 12 steps is um he was the worst nightmare part of every previous person I'd ever been with, all bundled into one guy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She said, I got I got some good information. (laughs) (laughs) It's
1: great that she recognized that.
0: I know. Yeah. Yeah. I know.
1: and a lot of it is, you know, we don't, you know, when, when do we, when do we really learn how to have this healthy uh, protocol into relationships? And like, even, even dating, you know, what, 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 there's not a lot of classes that people take when they're young around it, you <laughs> right? Know? as opposed to like, you know, maybe a healthy date is make sure you take two cars, you know, you, you, you meet, you know, maybe for an hour during the day for coffee. <laughs> You know, like there's a safe, that's, that's a good first date, you know, structure, you know, instead of, you know, the, the, the romantic dinner and, and what that can can go into and all all of that stuff. So, you know, bringing it home to, to what serves us when we're walking back into the world in a healthy fashion. Yeah. so important.
0: Well, Uh, you know, even five years in I did when I met my sponsor on step 12, which is about the giving back and starting to sponsor others. I thought um, that's all we were going to talk about. So I had all my questions like, how do you know a sponsee is a good fit? And what do I have to know about and think about as a sponsor? We had a great chat and I start, we end and I start picking up my bag and she says, we're not done yet. And I said, we're not, (laughs) I thought she wanted to tell me more about being a sponsor. She said, no, you're through the 12 steps. You need to start dating. And I was only two and a half years single at that point. Um, keeping what the term, keeping bottom lines and top lines, my bottom line was no dating for at least a year. And, but I had gone now two and a half years and was really doing well. And I said, how is it possible that it's time for me to date when I had 40 years of relationship without a break? I had 13 years old to 53 prepo Mm. without a break. Mm how is it possible to have 40 years on and two and a half off and not be the right balance? I said, I am nowhere near ready. And she said, well, the whole point of SLA is to, to transform and learn to be healthy in relationships. So you really got to test it out and see how you're doing.
2: Exactly.
0: And I was so mad. I was really mad. And it was, it was more, I really, I honestly had the feeling like, fuck you you know, and of course, I'm avoidant. So, of course, I'm going to want to stay single. <laughs> I'm going to want to stay single now that I've found the joy in singlehood. That's me Ex- forever. Exactly. Right. So I was so raging. And then I said, well, you have helped me so much to get where I am today. I got to trust you. I said, I really don't want to, but I will. But I'm mad. And she said, how about you try it for three months and then see where you're at? So I did and I ended up dating and I have to say I did do a lot, lot better than I had ever done other than with Doug for the 20 years when I Mm. wasn't hooked in the patterns with him. Mm. I did a lot, lot better, but still boy, prepo, it's humbling. Mm. I felt and feel like I have a long way to go. And that relationship lasted, I think about two years. So my standard pattern and, uh, It ended last August. So I I had a lot of time of no contact because, again, back in my program, the idea is don't be in contact with your qualifiers. Mm -hmm. Um, And we just just reunited recently. I did my amends. She did her amends, even though she's not in the program. She did amends to me, which was very dear and and, uh, impactful to me. And now we're just doing our best to navigate relating healthily as as friends of course it's hard to call someone friend when you've been in relationship. so it's maybe got another word but mm-hmm. um, but yeah I'm not really sure what I'm pointing to there other than it's very humbling and I'm I'm just completing the 12 12 steps for a second time because I know there's so much more to unravel and for me there's code in them if you actually do the steps the way they're meant to however they got downloaded it feels like it's code to you know, something deeper, more cleaner, clearer, wiser
1: Thank you for that,
0: yeah,
1: wow. This was wonderful. just to share this with you to to hear your experience. I know this is going to help so many people that are also going through aspects of it or the realization that they are experiencing it and they don't even know it and and that there is an avenue towards healing and sobriety and 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 healthy sense of self i'm just curious in like the last couple of minutes that is there anything that you want to express like where you're at or an insight that also you're you're experiencing
2: that uh you want to give a give us a gem
0: let me see there's you know there's so much to talk about on this topic to find one is a little tricky but I would maybe say this if you, you being anyone who would be listening, if you notice that you are in constant drama, (laughs) in and out of relationship, you know, longing, grasping, looking for that other person all the time, your bits of attention full all the time of it. I don't know. There's just something like if that becomes really obvious of what's occurring as you're listening 12 step may not be for you I get that some people just don't it doesn't resonate but I would say go if if it does resonate at all to go through the door to at least go to six meetings I hated the first bunch of meetings mm. I mean I just hated it but when you Try them. There's many online all over the world. When you try different ones, suddenly there's a moment. And for me, luckily, it was in my hometown. You find what's called your home group. It's like, okay, even though I hate this structure and I hate this language and I don't like God stuff, there's something in here that I know the goodness of. I just know it beneath all of my tantrum and all of my angry sheriffness. And if you can find that tiny bit of goodness, and keep opening to that and forget all the other stuff that feels a bit weird <laughs> and just keep going there's something about you know when you when you put attention on that it just grows and grows and grows and one of the key things i did that i think made a huge difference because i didn't trust anyone in the room and i didn't trust they had ever been as messed up as me so they're not going to be able to help me when i went to enough meetings i picked out about 5 people. And I go to an all women's one, which is very helpful. Hmm. I picked five women out that looked like they had legs under them for a bit of sobriety. you know they were they were a little different than some of us in the room who were just traumatized. And I said to them, people share their numbers, obviously for the community and unity piece. I reached out to each one of them individually, and I said, "Would you meet me for tea and tell me your whole life path story?" with regard to addiction and what, you know, what it was like, how, how low you got, what you did, how you you've made this program work and anything else you've done outside the 12 step. And they all said, yes. And I was a changed person. I can feel myself tearing up again. I was a changed person listening to those women Hmm. because I had assumed there's no way they could relate to me and, and all the things I'd done and, and, and the shame that I would feel, you know, and every single one of them had a story as messed up and as potent. And the and the little gems I got from each one of them at what had spoken to them either by their sponsor or something they'd heard in a meeting or what occurred when they embodied the steps, you know. And it was it was those five conversations I think that had me go, okay, this program really does work, even though I when I first heard it 12-step, I thought, oh. I don't need that. That's too mainstream. It's nonsense. It's some kind of whatever. I've done way more powerful, potent things all over the world, and I don't need it. And uh, that's very humbling to see how snobby I had been. And uh, yeah, those five conversations had me go back in that room and stay there to this day. So,
1: Mm. That's beautiful. Yeah. Mo, you're the shit. I love spending time with you and and talking with you and um and I know that people are really gonna feel this also and and that part of me wants to say oh man we're gonna do like a part two around this because i'm i'm having a feeling that and people you're very welcome to to write into some questions about what you're hearing to to spur some more conversation in the future but I think this is such an important topic and and i want to thank you so much for your authenticity and your vulnerability and to share this, um, path of healing with us. So thank mm. you. Thank you so much, Mo.
0: You're very welcome. And I want to say, I think part of the reason it's really easy, and I'm, I doubt this is the first time you've been told, but part of the reason it's really easy just to, to share all that is, is how you are and how you show up in the conversation. Mm. And your for me, your openness and your softness. Mm.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I'll take that. That feels good. <laughs>
0: all right well i hope it's of support to even one person it would be worth it
1: exactly exactly well i'm so looking forward to more connection with you and and having that tea and hearing about your trip to, to see your grandbaby in scotland and your family and
0: your daughter yes yeah and i'd love to hear more about yours i always remember your beautiful connection with your son and i want to hear about that and how your partner's partner's doing with Mm. what's going on so let's do that soon if we can
1: sounds great thank you
0: thank you Mm -hmm.
1: hey everybody before i let you go I do want to tell you that there is still space available in my live Zoom workshop for couples on the power of appreciation, the key to a deeper connection. And this is on Saturday, November 6th from 1 to 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And as I said before, this is a very, very powerful focus. Appreciation has been the most powerful thing in my relationship with my wife over the last 26 years. And it has transformed many couples that I've seen in my practice. Few of us have had any training in appreciations or are so grossly out of practice that we often fear taking the initial steps. Or there's just too much resentment in our relationships that are blocking our desire for attempts. And I also see appreciation, it can be an antidote for breakups and divorce. That's right. Relationships tend to end when there is a lack of appreciation because there's more complaining and taking each other for granted. So if you want to know more about this workshop, go to my website, prepo.com, click on Relationships Let's Learn About a page on the online courses page, and you can register there would love to see you live. And in the vein of my appreciation practice, I want to thank a couple people that have recently donated to my podcast. Kathy from Asheville, North Carolina, and Josie from California. Thank you. Thank you very much for supporting the podcast. I greatly appreciate it. The support from you listeners really helps me to bring it out to you. So if you're interested in financially supporting the podcast, you can go to my website, prepo.com and click on podcast and support the podcast page. And of course, another way that you can support the podcast is to spread it widely. That's right. Those of you that think other people would benefit from what I got to say, what I got to share, it would really warm my heart. Okay, everybody. I hope those of you that are in the fall autumn season that you're enjoying the change of it. I love this time of the year. It's a great time to walk and to contemplate and to be within yourself and to connect to those around you that you love and bring you joy. Okay, everybody. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you make yourselves a beautiful day.
0: Relationships, Let's Talk About It is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting PC of Asheville, North Carolina. For more about licensed counselor Prebo Zaplitsky visit prepo.com. Theme music by Adi the Monk. This content is intended for informational purposes only, is not a substitute for professional counseling or therapy, medical advice, diagnosis or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice.